The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two of today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning. Whether you're listening on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to listen via the live stream, you can find on ESPNTucson.com. We do appreciate you tuning in here. I know that you have a choice of where you uh, listen and get your sports information, news, entertainment, whatever have you. And we appreciate you tuning in here to the Jeff Dean Show as Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And we got plenty of local stuff to talk about over the next two days. Big, big happenings in the world of sports and, of course, uh, down in Tucson. Of course, with the, uh, the football game coming up this Saturday and plenty of other things as basketball season gets ready to ramp up. The baseball team was on exhibition over the weekend. So lots and lots of things to discuss in the world of U of A sports there in the uh, in the community. We look forward to doing that over the next couple of days and weeks and months and hopefully for a real long time here on ESPN Tucson. So the NFL was look Sunday was an interesting day of games as sure as many of you have have already discussed and I'm just kind of going to be rehashing some things here a little bit um giving some thoughts on on some things my own personal thoughts on some of the things that uh, that came about. I was going to put my power rankings together today but I'm going to save them for tomorrow. I was starting to put them together, and I'm just like, I have a 12-way tie for third. <laughs> like, how do I break this tie? It's crazy. I mean, it's hard to do early on in the season to do power rankings, essentially, um, especially because I didn't get to watch a whole ton of games. I didn't have my usual setup here at home where I've got two TVs in the red zone and watching the Cardinal game and then able to take notes and things like that. So, it wasn't my usual Sunday of, of NFL, so it's it's difficult for me because you know, I look at the standings and I'm like three and one, three and one, three and one. There's twelve teams or three and one. It's <laughs> it's remarkable um, just how good the NFL has been so far this year. Now there's two winless teams, the Lions and the Jaguars, and we'll we'll get to the Jaguars in a minute. But I think the surprising one and three teams right now, the surprising teams that are that are losing games, the Patriots are one and three. They had a tough schedule, okay, I'll give them that. But now that loss to Miami is starting to look less and less forgivable as Miami is, they're, they're just going in the tank now. They are, they are not a good football team. They are having all kinds of problems at quarterback. We talked about it before the season began. You, you know, you've, you've got Tua, and he's your returning quarterback, and nobody in that team thought it necessary to vote him as a team captain then all of the the chatter from the Houston Texans and specifically probably from uh, from Deshaun Watson's camp about the, the Miami Dolphins talking with them about a trade, this has all been bad news. They do, they do not have belief in their quarterback, nor should they. They drafted a left-handed, oft-injured quarterback, which is a bad combination. Bad, bad combination for any football team. Um, it's difficult enough to bring in a left-handed quarterback, but one who is, uh, look, I mean, let's just call it like it is, as brittle as Tua Tonga-Vailoa, it's, 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 not, it's not good. And when you consider that they drafted Tua Tonga-Vailoa when they could have had Justin Herbert, and I know could have, should have, would have, 
blah, 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 blah. There's no, there's no guarantee that Justin Herbert would have been as good for the Miami Dolphins as he is right now for the Chargers. Okay, I, I get all that kind of stuff. But he certainly would have been better than Tua is and has. So things not, not going real well for Miami right now. They're also 1-3 and three, sitting at the bottom of that division along with the Jets, who are also 1-3. and three. Um, I'm surprised the Patriots are 1-3. and three. Again, like I said, they've had, they've had a, a tough schedule. And, you know, that game on Sunday night – where Brady, you know, the homecoming and everything, and then he doesn't, nobody scores in the first half. I mean, it's just like, what is going on here? There's just no, like, there's no sizzle. I know the, the weather was terrible. Um, but I think you kind of have to, and I, look, I don't know what, what, the, what the national media has been talking about with this or the, even the local media up there in Foxborough or in, in Tampa. I have not had a chance to read or listen to any of this kind of stuff. I'm just going off of based on what I saw and what I was following um, along with the game. Feels like, feels like to me Bill Belichick got a little bit of uh, – little bit. Not, I don't want to say revenge, but I think he was able to solidify himself in this particular game because before, before the game there was, a, uh, there was a ton of hype. People were talking about this is the greatest game in NFL history and all this other stuff. I'm like, please shut up. <laughs> please, please stop. Uh, people like Mike Greenberg, of course, on ESPN, which you can hear here if I'm out sick or on vacation. Um, he was touting it as the greatest the greatest game in NFL history before the game was even played. Obviously, we know now that it was nowhere near. It wasn't even the best game played on Sunday, let alone the game, greatest game ever played uh, in, the, in the history of the NFL. As Tom Brady returns to Foxborough, who cares? I want to see I, – I, I, I like football. You know, I want to. I want to see. I want to talk about the game after it's over. There's a lot to talk about, of course, previewing and stuff like that. But in pro football, guys going back to play homecoming games, I, I don't know. The fans booed him, which I was surprised at. But again, it's Boston we're talking about. So, really, I know people talk about like Philadelphia and battery chucking and things like that in, in different uh, different cities, and the Eagles fans booing Santa Claus and all this other kind of stuff. It's a fun story. Really, I, I mean, honestly, the worst fans, the most unruly fans, are in Boston. That's it, let's let's call it like it is. They're the, they're the most unruly, most unforgiving fans in all of sports. They are ruthless. They booed Tom Brady when he walked onto the field. Couldn't believe it. But I think that this was Bill Belichick kind of flexing his flexing his muscles a little bit, flexing his brain muscle a little bit because he gave. He gave Tampa Bay hell. They almost won that football game. I mean, Nick Folk in a dr- in a driving rainstorm missed a 56-yard field goal that hit hit the left upright. I mean, it was that close to being a victory for New England. That's how close it was. So, I think and look and you look at the stats and I know stats don't tell the entire story, but Mac Jones kind of carved up the Buccaneers defense. It was 31 of 40 completions. Had more yards than Brady, more touchdowns than Brady. Of course, it's not difficult because Brady had zero in the game. Um, but, I, I, look, there was a lot of talk about leading up to this game from media and the talking heads and things like that, talking about, oh, uh, it, it's, it's, it's obvious now that it was all Brady and not Belichick uh, responsible for those championships and all those winning seasons in New England. It was all Tom Brady. He made Bill Belichick look good, all this other stuff, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just sitting there. I'm, I'm soaking it all in. I'm like, just wait for these receipts to come across because 
oh man, I was I was rooting so hard for New England to win that game. Not because I give a rip about the New England Patriots, or because I wanted them to win. Not even because I had any shackles on the on the uh, on the game either. I wanted New England to win so that those people who have been saying this. For the last, I don't know, it's, it's been a while. It's been the better part of a year that people have been saying that it was all Tom Brady and it wasn't Belichick and all this other stuff. Bill Belichick almost beat the defending champs with Tom Brady. I mean, look, that was that was going to be a monumental win, uh, in my opinion, if that happened. Again, 56-yard field goal attempt from Nick Folk. Normally, look, normally Nick hits that, but it's a, it was a ridiculous rainstorm. Nobody, nobody's blaming him for missing that field goal right now. It was a fourth and three. I think people are questioning the decision to kick the field goal. I think it was more a situational type of thing where he's like, I, I don't think we're going to get the three yards we need in this in this weather. Um, I don't want to put my quarterback in that situation, so we're going to try to kick the ball. I got I got faith in Nick Folk. I think I think he can make it, and he nearly did. What a win that would have been, huh? But I think this is a this is a moment for people to kind of sit back and say, look. There, you can't you can't quantify who was better, who was more deserving of the accolades, who's more deserving of those championships between the two, between Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And I've had this conversation. A really, really good friend of mine is from Boston, super close friend of mine from Boston. He is a the biggest Patriots fan you'll ever meet. Has been a Patriots fan since he was a little boy, growing up in the seventies. Okay, this guy lives and breathes Patriots football and he and I would have these conversations and I, I I just told him I was like I think it was a situation where they were perfect for one another and he would go back and forth and he, typical Boston fan he's like oh Tommy Tommy's the reason that uh, they went on those championships and then a, a year later he's like Belichick's the greatest and he would uh, Brady would be nothing without Belichick you know typical Boston fan <laughs> I love him but he's very typical Boston fan they were perfect for one another. It was a perfect situation. Bill didn't have to worry about Tom at the quarterback. He didn't have to worry about quarterback. Quarterback's handled. He's taken care of. I got Tom Brady. We're good. I can worry about the defense and special teams. I can have my offensive coordinator and my you know my you know offensive gurus handle the the passing game, the running game, some of the play calling. I mean, they're they're going to handle all this stuff. I just need to be the CEO and make sure that it's all going the way that I want it to go. But when he had Tom Brady, he's like, I don't have to worry about quarterback. That's, that's not a worry for me. For 20 years, didn't have to worry about it. And likewise, for Tom, I got Bill Belichick as my head coach. I don't have to worry about the details. I don't have to worry about the defense. I don't have to worry about special teams putting us in bad situations. And if they do, we're prepared for it. Because my head coach has prepared me so, so intricately in every aspect of every possible scenario that we could possibly have in a game. They were perfect for one another because they didn't have to think about one another during the games. They were so prepared and so well matched for one another that they didn't have to concentrate. It wasn't a worry for them. They rarely talked during games because they didn't need to. Bill's got the defense and the special teams and the clock, and Bill's like, Tom's got the offense, quarterback is set. We're fine, don't got to worry about quarterback play. If we miss something somewhere, I'll ask Tommy real quick, hey, what did you see there? Tom said, safety rotated over, went the other way, didn't see the backer dropping 25 yards back. He knocked the ball down. Okay. We'll take, we'll take a look at it in film on Monday. 
That's I mean, that's basically it. So to say that one person was more deserving than the other, one person was more responsible than the other, I think it's just complete rubbish, and I think it has been for a long time. And I think now we know that it was a very, very level playing field there. It was it was even distribution. The accolades should be distributed evenly amongst those two in regards to the last 20 years in, in New England and all those championships they won and all those Super Bowls they played in and all those division titles that they won. They both deserve equal credit. They both worked extremely hard at their job. And uh, uh, both are very deserving. And I think what we saw on Sunday night was kind of uh, it was, it was like a perfect, you know, a, like a perfect end to that whole situation. Very close game, chance to win at the end with a kick. I was sad Gronk didn't get to play. He's got like four broken ribs. Dude is in serious pain. Like he's not going to play for a while. That could have tipped the scales. That would have been fun to watch Gronk running up and down the field. I'm sure the fans would love that too. Speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of coaches who are not deserving of any of the accolades, Urban Meyer <clears throat> finds himself in some hot water right now. Things are not going well in Jacksonville. We knew that. They're 0-4, and it didn't seem to matter to Urban Meyer. They played on Thursday night. They lost to the Bengals. Close game. Bengals end up winning that game. The Bengals are 3-1, and by the way, in case nobody noticed. Joe Burrow. But uh, Jacksonville lost the game, whatever, in a long weekend. Urban Meyer decides he's going to go out and um, party a little bit, which, okay, sure, you know, some, somebody, some people like to get out and, you know, have a good time. Of course, the video then surfaced of a young girl grinding on his lap at the bar and him taking pictures with young women at the bar. He's married, by the way, wife sitting at home, probably, you know, I don't know, balancing the checkbook or taking care of the kids or something. And uh, Urban's out having a grand old time, having drinks, flandering with girls, just having a good old time. Now, here's the issue, and I think it's been addressed. I think I think the media has already kind of figured this one out. The fans, I don't know. I've seen some stuff on Twitter where fans are like, "Oh, you shouldn't be, you know, the players players cheating their wives. We shouldn't be singling out a coach for who's, you know, like that's not what this is about." Okay, <laughs> it's about the fact that he apparently doesn't care that the team is losing. Like the players are upset because. They're losing games, and he's out having a good old time, and then he doesn't want to take responsibility for his actions. Stood in front of the team, didn't address the team as a whole, addressed them individually in little team meetings. Didn't, didn't get in front of the whole team and be like, hey, guys, I need to, I need to you know, set the record straight here. I went out, and I was irresponsible over the weekend, decided to party, was out with some buddies, some girls showed up. Some pretty girls showed up, and uh, you know, like we all do. And I mean, this is the things that he can say to your team. But instead, he was like, "Ah, uh, you know, I, I really, I think it just got blown out of proportion. It's really nothing. Try to sweep it under the rug." The players are like, "Hey, dude, uh, no, you got you got caught. You need to come clean, and we want to know why you're you know you're you're kind of downplaying this, and we're still losing football games. Like, why are you out having a good time and partying, and able to just?" slough it off like it's nothing, and we're still losing games. Like, we need, we need to find out. We need to figure out what's going on here. The Urban Meyer, I talked about it in the offseason. This I did not think was going to go very well. 
I did not expect it to escalate this quickly. I do not expect him to be the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars next season. The, the, the owner has already come out and basically said <clears throat> he's, he's had his talking to. This was, he, he was given his warning, and now he, you know, this is going to be fireball offense moving forward or whatever have you. This is, the, this is not good for Urban Meyer. And, look, it's not good for Jacksonville either. I feel bad uh, for the players that are having to deal with this mess. Urban Meyer, he's used to being able to get away with whatever he wanted to at the college level because he's Urban Meyer. He built championships, championship teams. He's a a builder of programs. He can do whatever the hell he wants in in college. The pro level, (laughs) when you got guys making more money than you do, and they care about winning, and they got families, and these are adults, and these are mature, grown men who you know, rely on you to help them feed their families. Now you stepped in it, like now you got a real problem on your hands. So it'll be interesting to see if those players even want to go out and play for him anymore, or if they're going to go out there and just perform for themselves, which I would be all in favor of. Spin the ball, do whatever you want, man. Get out there, play for yourself. Be selfish because your coach has shown you that that is okay for him to do, and I think it's okay for them to do as well. Now, granted, there's a certain level of professionalism out there that you want to carry to have some decorum, but in my opinion, I would green light those players. Me personally, I'd be, I would green light those players. Like, you won't hear me talk about, oh, the stupid Jacksonville player was selfish when he spun the ball, or look at that idiot Jacksonville player uh, you know, dancing on the, on, the, on, the, on the logo at center field or whatever. I'm not – you won't hear me say that because their coach has shown that it's okay for him to do it, that he don't care about that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I, I mean, uh, he's selfish and uh, not really sh- taking responsibility for his actions. And uh, so, yeah, go have at it. be interesting to see what the Jaguars players do the rest of this season. You know me. I love boxing. I, I, I covered boxing for a long time. It was some of the favorite times of my life. Got to meet a lot of great people, hang out with a lot of cool uh, cool guys, see a lot of great fights. And this Saturday is going to be another one as Fury and Wilder are back in the ring to complete their epic trilogy. And FanDuel Sportsbook is going to give new customers exclusive 30-to-1 odds on either fighter to win. So you can bet your heart 30-to-1 whether you want – Fury or Wilder to win this game. And that's that's a FanDuel that's that's a FanDuel exclusive, okay? You can win $150 on a $5 bet. Throw 5 bucks down, win 150 bucks just for betting with your heart. Tyson Fury is the favorite once again, of course, with good reason. He's that he's got that great boxer style, intricate style, one of the uh one of the better defensive heavyweights that we've seen in quite some time. And of course, going up against Deontay Wilder, knockout artist. The guy is is a tower of thundering power and uh you know they he, he stopped him in the seventh round of their last fight but it's been there's been some knockdown drag outs in some of those rounds that they've had and fans should expect plenty of thrills in this battle of the titans as well with FanDuel in your corner you'll always get exclusive odd boosts great promotions and so much more that's why they're america's number one sports book it's easy to use there's awesome promotions for new and for existing customers quick and easy payouts there's really no better place to go when you're looking to uh, to get onto the market for those types of things. Just download the FanDuel Sports app today. 
and sign up with the promo code DEAN. That's D-E-A-N to get in on all the action. That's on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's Again, it's super easy to use. But when you sign up, use my promo code DEAN. And when you do, you're going to have that opportunity to get the 30-to-1 odds on either fighter to win this Saturday's big fight between Fury and Wilder. Fury and Wilder 3, I am super stoked for that. 21 and over in President Arizona. New users only. $10 first deposit is required. Must wager and designated offer market. Max bonus $150. Restrictions do apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342. You're listening here to The Jeff Dean Show. More after this on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, let's do it again. Text in to win my tickets to Saturday's game. Arizona Wildcats hosting the UCLA Bruins at Arizona Stadium on Saturday night. Your chance to win a pair of my tickets right now. Text the word DEAN to 68683. That's the word DEAN, my last name to 68683. That'll be your chance to win a pair of tickets to this Saturday's game. We have the window open right now, so text now. Good luck, and you could be one of the lucky winners of my tickets. We'll announce the winners on Friday morning, and we'll just text tickets right over to you. you just It's all digital. Just boop, just send it right over to you there. You walk up to the to the, uh, uh, to the gate, scan your, scan your phone, and uh, you're good to go. So, Good luck. Message and data rates may apply, but text the word DEAN to 68683 right now for your chance to win my tickets to Saturday's game against the Bruins. Uh, Real quickly, we'll finish up some NFL here before uh, we move on to other topics. Of course, we're going to be talking Major League Baseball as the playoffs have begun. We'll talk Major League Baseball coming up uh, in the uh, the next segment. Things that I noticed from the weekend, just real quick here in the NFL – the Cowboys hung 36 on the Panthers. That was the NFL's best defense, was the NFL's best defense until the Dallas Cowboys got a hold of them. They averaged 7.7 yards per play. Now, those are like college numbers. That's like Big 12 2016 numbers right there, 7.7 yards per play. Zeke had 20 carries for 143 yards and a touchdown. Dak, 14 of 22, uh, buck 88, four passing touchdowns. For Dak Prescott, look, this is a this is a perfect situation, okay? The perfect scenario, example, whatever you have you, of how the Dallas Cowboys can continue to win football games and how they can be a dominant team in the NFC. It's when you rely less on Dak Prescott. When Dak Prescott is throwing anywhere between twenty and twenty-five passes a game, and Zeke and uh, and uh, and uh, uh, the other, other tailback whose name escapes me right now, just for the life of me, couldn't remember the name. But um, when he, when they're when they're running the football the way that they the way that they can, Tony Pollard, thank you, Tony Pollard. Um, when they're running the football the way that they that they can, the way that we saw on Sunday, that's Dallas's best recipe for a victory. When you're relying. If you have to rely on Dak Prescott to throw the football 50 times, yeah, if he has to be your sole playmaker, the Dallas Cowboys are going to be in trouble. Okay, They cannot afford to get in shootouts with Dak Prescott. I like Dak Prescott. Okay, I think he's a, I think he's a fine quarterback. He's an excellent leader, and I know that he's got everybody in that huddle believing in him. But he is not Patrick Mahomes. He is not Aaron Rodgers. He is not Tom Brady. He's not Peyton Manning. You do not want to get in shootouts if Dak Prescott is your quarterback. You want to have him manage the game. 
You want to have a good, solid running attack and have him throwing plays because he is very accurate uh, when he's throwing the ball. But you don't want to have him in shootouts. We've seen it before, how bad the Cowboys are when he has to throw the ball 40 times a game. They lose. On Sunday, ran the ball with effectiveness. They were able to win. Now, the Panthers tacked on a couple of late touchdowns, but that game was over early. Uh, it was a 30, like 33-14 or something like that at one point. Yeah, so uh, it was the game was over early. Cowboys dominated the game, looked really, really good, and I'm surprised that they were able to run the ball that well against Carolina. So it shows you right there that maybe the Cowboys are for real. Maybe they are a real Super Bowl contender this year. We'll continue to watch their progress. The Ravens took the Broncos off the unbeaten list, but it was because of a last-second decision to run the ball that has people talking as John Harbaugh sent out his starting offense and his quarterback, Lamar Jackson, for the final five seconds of a 23-7 football game, a game that was over, period. It was over. 23-7, they got the ball back with five seconds. All they do is kneel on the ball, and it's over. However, John Harbaugh wanted a rushing record, a to, to tie a rushing record, essentially, where the Baltimore Ravens would tie the Pittsburgh Steelers for most consecutive games with 100 yards rushing. So he sent Lamar Jackson off the left side to get five yards rushing, to go ahead and, and tie that record. Now, this did not make the Denver Broncos and Vic Fangio very happy. They uh, they thought it was it was classless. It's not running up the score, but it's getting statistics on a team when you didn't earn them is the problem. They needed they needed four yards to to you know to get the record. They got five. Okay, uh, you couldn't have gotten those four yards somewhere else, somewhere before then. That's pretty cheap, in my opinion. John Harbaugh said after the game, he says, "100% on me. I made the decision. I know my guys, and I wanted them to. I wanted the, you know the the players and the coaches to be able to revel in something like this. But, bro, like I totally disagree. Totally disagree. You got to do that when the game matters. You might as well put an asterisk on that right now, because Denver lined up expecting a kneel down." And Lamar Jackson ran around the left side, and they had to scramble to kind of tackle him. He kind of just gave himself up. But, uh, look, that's, that's Bush League stuff right there. And I would expect better out of a guy like John Harbaugh. That was Bush. So, um, yeah, <laughs> they deserve any type, of, uh, any type of cross looks that they get from other coaches and other teams who are going to take note of that. And, finally, the Chargers have created a logjam in the AFC West when they beat the Raiders they're now three and one. The Raiders are three and one. Everybody's three and one. So um, not in that division, but I mean, I'm just you know, grandulizing here. Uh, a lot of three and one teams in the league. Chargers look really, really good, and Justin Herbert continues to impress. I, I, I look. I'll be the first one to admit when I'm wrong because you'll definitely hear about it when I'm right. <laughs> but I will also be the first one to admit when I'm wrong. I was wrong about Justin Herbert. I was. Period. End of story. Things I was told about him in college, either they were true, and he has changed that, which is what I tend to believe because my source is very, very reliable, uh, especially when it pertains to this particular aspect. So I'm, I, you know, I'm of the belief that while he was not getting the coaching that he needed at Oregon, he has gotten it in the NFL, and he's smart enough to pick up these kinds of things and move it quickly. And Justin Herbert has been absolutely impressive, just so impressed with how he's played. So. Good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. You like to see uh, Pac-12 guys do well in the league. And uh, Chargers, 3-1, looking real, real good. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, Major League Baseball playoffs. We had the AL wild card last night, the NL wild card, a doozy tonight. 
That's next. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now the Major League Baseball playoffs are underway in full swing, if you will. The AL wildcard last night as the Red Sox advanced to the American League Division Series when they silenced the Yankees' bats. Garrett Cole has to come out and apologize because he was only able to last, wasn't even able to get through the third inning last night before he was knocked out, just didn't have it. And uh, even said so. He said, I just, just didn't have it. Sometimes it happens with starting pitching. You just don't, you don't have it. And a pitcher knows, trust me, I've talked to plenty of them, they know in the bullpen before the game whether they're going to have a good outing or a bad outing. They know right away. If their curve is, is biting, if their fastball has got some zip to it, if they're feeling right, if their mechanics are, are fluid, they know all those things, whether they're warming up, whether they're going to have it or not. And I'm pretty sure Garrett Cole went out of that mound knowing that he didn't have it because he sure pitched uh, like he didn't. <laughs> it was not a good performance from Garrett Cole, certainly not what we were expecting. Now the Red Sox leave to go play Tampa, who is better and deeper than the Yankees, and they did win the season series against the Red Sox, winning 11 of the 19 games or 11-8 and eight, uh, in the season uh, on the season against, uh, against Boston. Now game one is going to be scheduled for tomorrow, the ALDS for the um, – for the Rays and the Red Sox. Left-hander Shane McClanahan going for the Rays. Of course, he's their ace. And I don't know, maybe Chris Sale. He was left off the roster for the wild card game. Now, again, you can reshuffle the roster every every round. So the Red Sox going to be able to reshuffle and stuff. J.D. Martinez was left off the, the, uh, the wild card roster because he tripped over first base running out to the outfield the other day. Like, what is going on? <laughs> How do you trip over a base and injure yourself? Going out to play defense. <laughs> I don't know, man. If it were like the old Red Sox, like Terry Francona's Red Sox, where they're eating chicken and having beer in the dugout and stuff, like I could understand that. <laughs> so maybe Chris Sale pitches for them tomorrow. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But tonight, big, big game in the wild card, the National League wild card. The St. Louis Cardinals traveling out to Los Angeles to take on the Dodgers, who – Again, 106 wins in the regular season, and they're playing in a, a play-in game. I think it's ridiculous, to be honest with you. But it is what it is. They didn't win their division, so they have to play, <laughs> play the wild card, even though they're the second-best record in baseball, let alone the second-best record in the in the league, in the National League. So um, it's going to be Adam Wainwright, of course, the crafty veteran with the uh, with the incredible curveball going for the uh, for the Cardinals against Max Scherzer, who has just been absolute, insanely good for the Dodgers since he got there. Now, over the last 25 games, the Dodgers are 21-4. and four. The Cardinals are 19-6. and six. Of course, they have the 17-game win streak in there, so they had that going for them. The Dodgers have won 17, or uh, sorry, 15 straight at home is, uh, is what the Dodgers, so currently sitting on a huge home game winning streak. They won, they were 35 games over 500 this year at home. They were so so freaking good at home, um, and they crushed St. Louis when St. Louis came there. But that was in May, okay? So we'll kind of write that off. It's been, it's been a while. But, again, like I said earlier, I think you revert into the playoffs. You revert back to the team that you were meant to be. Now, I don't know if the Cardinals, because they were so good 
from August on if that's the team they were meant to be or if the team that we saw in April and May was the team that they were meant to be. So kind of interesting to see what, what we're going to get. The middle of that lineup is really, really good, though. So that's something that, <clears throat> that Max Scherzer and the Dodgers are going to have to contend with. But look, the Dodgers are the better team in pretty much every aspect of the game outside of defense. I think the Cardinals are the best defensive team in baseball, period, end of story. They're the best defensive team in baseball, and you've got a guy on the mound tonight for them who's going to throw a lot of ground balls. Okay, Wainwright gets a lot of ground balls, and as long as he can keep the ball down, he'll have that, that incredible defense behind him to try to keep the game close. But that's really the only hope that they have, to be honest with you. The Dodgers are superior in every way. They're superior on the bench. They're superior on the mound. They're superior in the bullpen. The lineup is superior. They've got base stealers at the top of the lineup. It's 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 heavily, heavily leaning towards uh, a, a Dodger win. But, again, defense could, you know, could change things if, if the Dodgers – you know, if if they get a they get a gaff in the in the field, something happens. Anything can anything can happen. Okay, it's a one game playoff. But I do like the Dodgers' chances in this. I do think the Dodgers will win this game. I, look, again, <laughs> Max Scherzer has just been so so good. Check, listen, listen to the numbers. Okay, check out these numbers since he joined the Dodgers. Okay, since one of the most lopsided trade deals I've ever seen in my entire life. That included Trey Turner as well, who's stolen a lot of bases, has been really good for the Dodgers since he came over. Since joining the team, Max Scherzer is 7-0 and with an ERA of 1.98, had 11 starts. 11 starts, 7-0, and ERA of 1.98. He has an 11-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. 11-to-1 strikeout-to-walk. 89 strikeouts, walked eight batters in the 68 and the third innings that he worked for the Dodgers this year. Like, it, 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 he's not going to win. The, he's going to go 15-4 and four this year. He started with a bad team, obviously. 15-4, and four, an ERA sub 2-5, and he's not going to win the Cy Young. <laughs> it's great because Corbin Burns has been ridiculously good for the Brewers this year. So, <laughs> uh, look, this this is I, – I either this game goes – like either this game goes 11 innings or it's over in the third. Like, that's kind of the way I see it. Either this game is like a 4-3 game, uh, you know, it's 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 3-3 going to the 10th, you know, kind of thing, and somebody wins 4-3, maybe the Dodgers win 4-3 in the 11th inning you know, once they get to a bullpen situation, or it's 9-2 in the 4th inning and the game's over. And, yeah, So we'll see. It should be should be fun, though. I'm looking forward to it. The uh, the the wild card games look several years ago when they when Major League Baseball announced the wild card playing games and like really are you kidding me this is stupid this is a dumb idea why do we have a one game play in you play 162 games you got one game to make it into the playoffs this is dumb and then Madison Bumgarner versus Thor happened uh, and everything was like okay no this is good <laughs> like like I'm good with this that that Cindergard Bumgarner game paved the way because that was essentially I think that was the first one right I think that was like National League played first that year, and I think that was the first play-in game, if I'm not mistaken. And like now, everybody's like, "Yeah, totally. Yeah, we're we're, we're all in on this. That's like one of the greatest baseball games ever." <laughs> like that game was absolutely incredible. That sold me. I was like, "Okay, if we can get stuff like this, I'm in. That's cool. Like I, I'm I'm fine with it." So I'm fine with it now. Uh, and 
Again, I don't agree with the fact that the Dodgers are playing in this. Of course, I'm a Giants fan, so I don't want the Dodgers anywhere near the playoffs. They don't deserve to be there. <laughs> but uh, if they were going to play some team, I'd rather them. I'm, I'm glad they're playing like the hottest team in baseball or one of the hottest teams in baseball. They did cool a little bit there at the end. We kind of expected that to happen. But uh, Cardinals have definitely been playing better baseball recently, especially in the middle of that lineup. With Arenado and Goldschmidt, and yeah, it's it's look, it's it, they're a good team. They're a real good team. This should be an interesting game tonight. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you guys can uh, check that out as well. And then the winner goes to play the San Francisco Giants. San Francisco Giants sitting there waiting. 108 wins on the season. Wrapped up the National League West, uh, you know, a couple days ago with their win, and uh, they're just waiting for this team to emerge. And and again, as much as I hate the stinking Dodgers, I mean, I just, I really, just, I hate that team. I, I've hated them my entire life. As much as I cannot stand the stinking Dodgers, a five-game series to move on to the NLCS between the Giants and Dodgers is kind of what baseball deserves, right? Like Major League Baseball deserves this. Like that's kind of that's what we, nobody wants to see the Giants and the Cardinals. Nobody. Cardinals fans do. Maybe some Giants fans do. But I think everybody would tell you, like, yeah, we want to see the Giants and the Dodgers go at it for five games. Wish you could have seven game series. That'd be even more fun. But the two best teams in baseball going at it for a chance to go on to the, to the championship series, yeah, that's what baseball wants. That's what baseball needs. That's what baseball deserves. So check it out tonight. Dodgers, Cardinals, should be fun. All right, when we return, we're going to put a big bright red shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Join Spears and Ali for their Thursday night football live broadcast tomorrow night from Native Grill and Wings in Marana, located on the southwest corner of Cortero and I-10. They've got over 40 television, 12 beers on tap. They've got all kinds of great food and drink specials. If you download the Native Grill and Wings loyalty app, you'll get all kinds of offers and promotions and things like that and special deals on food and drink while you're there at Native Grill and Wings. It's Thursday night football at Native Grill and Wings in Marana, home of the original Arizona Wing with Spears and Ali tomorrow from 3 to 6. Robert Sarver continues to anger Phoenix Suns fans and bewilder national NBA writers all across the league. As Adrian Wojnarowski, the uh, great the insider, for, of course, for ESPN, who seems to get all the information before anybody else does, um, has he announced, um, was it yesterday, I believe it was? Yesterday. That the Phoenix Suns were hesitant to sign a maximum rookie contract extension with DeAndre Ayton. His uh, talks have apparently fallen apart. Negotiations have ceased. And Ayton, who, of course, was a key cog to the NBA Finals run that the Suns had. They were 2-0 in the NBA Finals until Giannis Antetokounmpo decided to take things over into his own hands and uh, win a championship for his team, his, his teammates in the city of Milwaukee, of course. Apparently, the Suns aren't really looking to make any deals right now with their rookie, or uh, with, with their, well, the third-year player, I guess, the former rookie. Um a lot of other guys have signed deals already from that 2018 class. Trey Young, of course, Luka Doncic, uh, Michael Porter just signed with the with the Nuggets. Shea Gilgis Alexander signed with Oklahoma City. Now Aiton, who is 23 years old, would be eligible for a five-year, 
$172 million contract extension. There could be escalators in there that would push it over to $200 million. This is all kind of, it's a very sore subject for Suns fans, right? A team who has traded draft picks for cash, traded players for cash, neglected to give extensions to key players in playoff runs, such as Joe Johnson, which many people and I also believe cost them a, a world championship when they were not able to uh, to re-sign Joe Johnson. That was uh, that was a huge breakup. And look, I was covering the team at the time. I can tell you that in that locker room, those players were not happy. Not happy at all. There was a lot of dissension, and it wasn't amongst the players. Like they were, they were somewhat galvanized in them, you know, in, in, amongst themselves in the locker room. But Joe Johnson began to separate himself from the team, and the team looking up into the owner's box essentially were giving double middle fingers the entire time with their thoughts and with their eyes. Um, just we're, we're very, very unhappy with the way that whole situation played out. And, of course, then we know what happened or what didn't happen from there on out. Look, this is a – there are plenty of teams in the league that are going to run three max players on their roster. The Phoenix Suns, Robert Sarver has has been in good standing with the league, not paying the, the luxury tax. And I I do tend to spin it that way, okay? <laughs> That's the way I, I spin it. He, it. People would say he hasn't, he hasn't spent – uh, money in the luxury tax since the 2009-2010 season. I tend to look at it as there was no reason to spend it at that time, in my opinion, or over the last 8, 9, 10 years. So you want to make sure that you're in good standing with the league by not paying the luxury tax. Trust me, you get bonuses from not paying from not being in luxury tax. Um, and now's the time. Now is the time to go ahead and cash in on it. Say, guys, you know, I've, I've been good over the last 10, 11 years. I want to go ahead and start spending into the luxury tax now. NBA says, okay, great. You've, you've earned these benefits from not doing it so far. So we're going to give you those benefits, and you can now start building your team that way. And those of you who are out there saying, oh, he's not worth the money, remember this, folks. DeAndre Ayton was setting all kinds of new NBA records during that playoff run. His 66% postseason field goal, field goal percentage is still the greatest in NBA history. Uh, his defense against Giannis, although many people blame him, remember that he held Giannis to 53% field goal percentage when he was guarding him. Giannis shot over 70% when anybody else was guarding him. It's a huge, huge difference. Need to get him signed because DeAndre is a guy who needs chemistry. He is a person who needs confidence, does not need to be looking over his shoulder if the Suns want to compete next year. All right. That's going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary back in studio for all her hard work, and, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in here. Stay tuned for Spears and Ali today from 3 to 6, and I'll see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 right here on ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.